Welcome, you're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. I want to encourage you to visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other helpful resources. I'm your host, the founder and president of Media Talk 101, Philip Telfer. I'm back in the studio with my friend and co-host, Rhett Simpkins, to record another exciting Media Talk 101 podcast. So what do you mm-hmm. think? Is this going to be an exciting podcast, Rhett? I think so. They all are. <laughs> well, I, I hope our listeners think so as well. In fact, uh, today as we're recording, if you happen to hear any noises like ambient noises like birds chirping or uh, children out doing productive things in the yard or uh, airplanes flying by, uh, it's because I've got the windows open because it's pretty warm today down here in Texas. And uh, so uh, I've got the window open and you just might hear some of that. But um, enough of that. Uh, I know, Rhett, you're coming down with your family and mm-hmm. a bunch of other people for the film festival here pretty soon. And we're looking forward to you enjoying some of this warm weather with us. We are looking forward to it as well. Oh, wow. And we're going to have uh, 18 guests at our house besides oh, our family of six. And uh, that's not a problem. It'll be great. (laughs) The only problem is the fact that we have one bathroom in the house and uh, one bathroom in the RV. So this is our plan, Rhett. What do you think of this? Put all the teenage girls in the RV with one bathroom. Yeah, that could get ugly. (laughs) Well, if it does, I mean, it's it's out of the house. Yeah, at least they're out there. (laughs) And they can work it out. Uh, so, and then the rest of us, we can uh, be amiable and and uh, work together. So, I'm looking forward to that. We're, Me too. We're uh, lots going on with the film festival. I wish all of our podcast listeners, you could come down. I know that all of you can't, but we actually did hear from a podcast listener this week. So, mm-hmm. Rhett, you want to read what uh, came into our inbox? Sure. It says, hey guys, just sending you a word of encouragement on your podcast. I think there is still much that you have to say. It would be a void in my listening if you were not on the air any longer. I listened to your 45 Minutes podcast several times. It encouraged me to start a new Bible reading program for my family. We are reading 20 minutes a day and hope to finish the Bible in less than one year. All my girls are excited about it. Thank you for your ministry. It's made a difference in my family's lives. God bless you guys. Hope to meet you both in person someday. George. Wow. Thank you, George. And that is what we call ministry fuel. Ministry fuel. It does help us big Mm -hmm. time. I mean, a little word of encouragement like that goes a long way. And, you know, I've had some interaction over the last couple of years with George via email, and I'm not certain he'll have to jog my memory sometime when it, how, how we ended up getting connected via email. I don't know if it was through Captivated or, or through something else, but, um, it was uh, he also mentioned some things later on in that email, just some some personal things that I was excited about because I had mentioned in one of our podcasts our friends the Bontragers, and uh, they ended up looking into you know just finding information about the Bontragers who were doing a concert in their area, and they went to go uh, hear the Bontragers sing, and uh, then they decided that they were going to come to homeschool family camp in the fall, which the uh, Bontragers help uh, put together, which we attend every year in Iowa. And uh, so 
we'll get a chance to meet this family, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, we only know through email and through the podcast now. So I'm excited mm-hmm. and looking forward to that. That's a it's a big uh, big event every year for our family to go to homeschool family camp, and it's great because you know not everybody's not everybody homeschools, but if you do, you know, all the public school kids go back to 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 school in the fall. And then the summer camps, you know, that it kind of winds down for them. So there's uh, room, you know, for <laughs> homeschoolers to just come and take a week in September and bring bring the families, and we have a we have a blast. But enough of that. We um, we started a series of podcasts on the subject of filmmaking based on a question that came in, and that question going back a couple weeks ago was in regard to what the the writer, the anonymous writer, um, asked about what was called the Christian veneer in filmmaking. You know, this idea of a very thin layer of Christianity that could, you know, be removed, and then you really wouldn't have a, a Christian film at all. It's not like it was part and parcel with the story. And so that got us going. In fact, it really got me going so much so that uh, we had one of our podcast listeners um, give me a warning that the next time I record a podcast, that I make sure that I not drink any coffee ahead of time, <laughs> which which I didn't. I mean, I usually have a cup in the morning and a cup in the evening, but I think it was just I was so ramped up and and my thoughts going at a hundred miles an hour because it's such a big topic, and so we we certainly didn't even get anywhere close to what I wanted to share, what was going on in my mind, you know, in my heart on the subject of uh, Christian filmmaking. But I also want to be careful as we continue on for our podcast listeners who may not have anything to do with filmmaking. Maybe you don't care at all about filmmaking, and I don't want you to tune this out and think, well, therefore, uh, this has nothing to do with me. Because some of the things I'm going to be sharing really apply across the board. You know, it's it, these are things that apply to not only filmmakers, but really other other ways that we, other things that we might get involved with, you know, in our Christian walk. So last week, Rhett, we talked about, we started talking about, we came up with 10 reasons why uh, Christians might get involved in filmmaking. And we were just completely flying by the seat of our pants, pulling stuff out of a hat. And as I began to think about it, I I think we did a pretty good job covering a lot of those areas. I'm sure we missed some things. I didn't didn't hear back from any podcasters or podcast listeners yet because they haven't heard it yet. (laughs) (laughs) So, because we record this ahead of time. So, um, so yeah, once you hear it, and if you want to write in and say, hey, you missed something, it's going to be a couple more weeks before we get back to it. But anticipating that, I, I tried to think through, and I, I realized I missed a big one, really huge. Can You you probably can't even imagine what it is, Rhett. Can I, you want to take it? No, want to take a, I have no idea. You want to take a stab at it? Oh, boy, a big one. Wow. Yeah, really big. You know, why? I, now... I'll give you a hint. So it it could it w- could be an argument that would be used for other arts in culture, not just filmmaking. It could be said of music. Oh. It could be said of painting. 
It could be said of other artistic endeavors. Why would Christians be involved in the arts? Well, I will take a stab at that. Okay. Um, Maybe to be relevant with the culture. You are very warm, if not hot. So, yes, let's talk about culture because this is this this is the um, this is the hot topic. Culture, uh, in engaged in culture, but also impacting culture. So we did talk last week about impacting, but I don't know if we really got in that nuance of of culture. And so that's something that, uh, as I begin to think about, it's in the last couple of years I have changed my rhetoric because it's a very popular rhetoric to say, yeah, we want to do Christian filmmaking or Christian music or Christian this or Christian that. Christians need to be involved in all these things so we we can impact culture. And, you know, this is gospel truth. That's why we should be doing these things, to impact culture. Well, I'm now questioning if that's really a biblical reason to do anything for the for the one thing is if you think about culture we do not have a homogenous culture i don't think anybody has a homogenous culture anymore around the world you know with globalization and the influence of media but but we have a lot of subcultures uh, in our own country let's just talk about america it's not a homogenous culture and so if you're talking about impacting culture it's that's way too broad you know you're going to have to you're going to have to narrow that down a little bit what particular subculture are you wanting to uh, affect and then the next question i have is is do we see anything in scripture that instructs us as people to to impact culture to merely impact culture or is there something more important like like bringing a message of redemption bringing the the message of the gospel being a people that are set apart from the culture around us now now i don't want people to get me wrong and and thinking that oh philip doesn't think we need to be engaged in culture that's not that's i do believe we should be engaged in culture but what i'm talking about is the direction the purpose the the focus the goal is the goal in doing these things so that we can impact culture well we have to define that more because some would say oh yes we want to impact the culture with the gospel through these things now there is something i can get behind that's something i can say amen to but that's not what i'm hearing that's not what that's not a lot of the talk on the around the block today is about among christian filmmakers it's not let's engage the culture with filmmaking to reach them with the gospel it's more it's engaging the culture for the sake of culture and i to be honest i scratch my head and i say i'm not sure where that's going i'm not sure what what this is supposed to actually accomplish when it's all said and done and so if you have some ideas about that if some Rhett or or any of our podcast listeners I'd love to hear it because the more I've sat and just thought about these things, I thought, I don't know. I just don't see anywhere in Scripture where where we have instructions to say that's the focus. It doesn't mean that we don't engage culture, but what's the purpose of doing so? 
And um, so that that's I just wanted to add that. So it's you can add it to the list of eleven, or you can fit it in there with one of the other ones. But I also wanted to go back and try to get in get my thoughts together a little bit more on one of the what are the other topics because um, one of the things we talked about last week was the kingdom you know mentioned in Exodus 19 that God was looking for a people to set apart as what he called a kingdom of priests a, a holy nation that would would be set apart from the rest of the world so that there would be a a a continual witness on earth of the God, the creator God of the universe and of this earth and of, of his people. And to, to be that, you know, to be there to compel people to be reconciled to God, to, to be here. And that's our purpose. So I see God saying, Hey, I want you to be a special people to, to have a particular culture you know, to have cultural influence so that people can look and see that God's people are very culturally savvy. You know, it's not what the instructions are. Mm-hmm. The instructions are, I want you to be a people that are set apart. So that, and, and when Peter reiterates this to the New Testament Christians in his epistle, it was to proclaim God's praises. It was to be a people that would, would be, um, as Jesus said, a light in the world. A city on a hill and that's nothing to be ashamed about in fact that's something to be very bold about so I don't think it's necessarily about impacting culture as it is about kingdoms you see it's not about these various cultures this is about various kingdoms there's a real kingdom and then there are there's a an opposing kingdom that's made up of all sorts of subcultures but in that opposing kingdom, you know, we see now a real battle going on throughout the scriptures in our own lives. And we see that there is a kingdom of darkness and we see there's a kingdom of light. And in fact, um, Rhett, why don't you, do you have a Bible with you there in the office? Yeah, I do. Okay. Why don't you turn to Acts chapter 26? And I'm going to have you read verses 17 and 18 because this is a, the background of the story is this is when Paul was, had been, he'd been arrested and he's um, kind of, kind of on trial. I don't know if we could say he's giving, he's testifying about why uh, he's been arrested and they're trying to come up with a, a report to send because Paul had appeared appealed to Caesar rather than to go back to Jerusalem because the Jews were plotting to kill him and he knew that and so he didn't he didn't want the Romans to turn him over to the Jews he wanted to stay and he, and he felt that God was calling him to go to Rome and so he appeals to Caesar and so he's giving a testimony and in this he just he shares his testimony he shares some information about some things that Jesus spoke to him about at his conversion and uh, so that's what I want you to read because there's something pertinent in there to this discussion. Okay, so just 17 and 18? Yes. Okay. It says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you 
to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Okay, so now granted this is a, a particular calling to one man, but do we see Jesus saying, Paul, I want you to go out and impact culture? No. What does he tell him? He says uh, he's sending them to open their eyes so that they'll turn from darkness to light and that they would receive forgiveness. And there's also talks about something else, somebody else's power. Yeah. Who's that? Turning them from the power of Satan to God. So there is a a battle going on and, and the invitation or the, the command, really the commission that Paul has from Jesus is is Paul I'm sending you out you know and you are going to engage this culture but it's not to just impact culture with a subculture or uh, some sort of Christianized version of culture this is a battle and there are people that have been bound by Satan they're they are in darkness and I want you to open their eyes and I want you to do this through through proclaiming and we know it's through the gospel and through preaching forgiveness and reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ. So that's that's what we see in in the scriptures. It's an it has to do with kingdoms, not cultures. And there are cultures within those kingdoms, but the focus in the Bible is always on the kingdom, not upon cultures. And I I think about another verse and this is one that I found myself quoting yesterday. I had a good conversation. Well, I mean, I, I think it was good. I hope it was good. I, I got a call from someone I'd never met before, and they were uh, curious to learn more about media talk. And so we just, we conversed. And this was a filmmaker. And uh, some of the things that he shared, I mean, we, we obviously, I could tell after a while that we, on some issues, we were coming from a different perspective. And uh, one of the things I shared with him is something I share often with people is this story in, in Luke uh, chapter 9 and verse 57. It says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So here, here's a guy who comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. Now, when, when this man was saying, I want to follow you. We, we think of that as an analogy today, you know, following Jesus. We know that means walking in his footsteps, being like him. But, but then it was literal. I mean, when they said, I want to follow you, he's literally saying, I want to itinerate with you. I want to be part of your traveling group of, of, of ministers. And Jesus helps him understand, look, do you really understand what you're asking? And, but it doesn't stop there. In verse 59, then he said to another, so this is Jesus. This isn't a man coming to Jesus. What's significant about this part of the story is Jesus is asking this man. He says uh, to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, before I read Jesus's response to him, I mean, we've got to think about this. This is Jesus Christ, the son of God, in the flesh with a limited amount of time that he's going to spend three and a half years of ministry before he goes to the cross 
and with a limited number of people around him. And he comes up to this man. And he says, I want you to come and be a part of my ministry team. I mean, what kind of, I mean, think about this invitation. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is not just a chance of a lifetime. This is the, the chance of all history because no, not many people had that opportunity and not very many people had that specific invitation from Jesus himself to literally come and walk with him and minister with him and, and sit at his feet. And so this is the invitation that this man gets and this is his response. He says, let, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And you see, there's a lot that could be said about that passage, and, I, and I'm going to be a little bit broad with it, and I generally like to be very careful in what they call exegeting scripture, you know, making sure we take the meaning uh, from the passage and not import meaning into it, you know, to do faithful Bible expository. But I do believe that one of the things you can draw out of this is that uh, regardless of how we're understand this, uh, there are always going to be uh, dead people that can bury the dead. You know, there's always going to be things out there that you can do that that people who are not answering a call to preach the kingdom will do. You know, and this came up. You know, when I first started in in media ministry, before I started Media Talk 101, and I was with another. Uh, unnamed organization at this point, um, you know. But when I was with this other organization and I was speaking on their behalf, one of the things that they did was they had a public school presentation, and you could go into a public school and you had, and you could talk about the problems of media. the The issue was that going into a public school, you're not allowed to talk about God, Jesus, faith, all of those things, you know, because it's not allowed. And I, I was not interested in those, but there were a couple of occasions where I was invited to speak at a school. So I went ahead and I did this and it just killed me. And the reason it killed me is because it killed me to talk to all these young people and tell them about the problems of media, but not really be able to give them the true solution, which is, is life that's found in Jesus Christ, because that's what our ministry is all about today. That's you know, teaching media discernment in light of following Christ. And and I, this passage came to my mind, you know, during that season of my life. Let the dead bury their own dead. Let, let other uh, motivational speakers who are not interested in the kingdom of God go give motivational talks at the public schools. But you go and preach the kingdom, you know, let, let others do that. And the reason why there are, are you know, some, even people that I knew, Christians that were doing these talks in public schools is because if you don't talk about Jesus, if you don't talk about God, and you try to just give a motivational speech on the subject of media, then uh, there's there's a lot of money in that. You know, the schools have budgets you know, to to uh, bring in speakers. In fact, they if they don't spend those that money, they don't they don't get that money renewed for the next year's budget. So they have to spend it. And so that was a, a place for people to, you know, to hone their speaking skills and become motivational speakers. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing them if that's what they want to do. I'm just saying for me personally, I couldn't bear it. It was not what I was called to do. I'm called to uh, preach the kingdom of God. 
And so that's, that's my calling. And I'll let the dead people go and do the dead kind of work. And, but there's something more important here. Now there's one more person. I've, I've heard this described as the three almost disciples. And, but there was one more. It says, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So there's a, um, there's a story in the Old Testament, Rhett. This is some Bible trivia for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, I know. You're probably getting nervous already. So just pretend that we're playing Bible trivia. And you got the card. And do you recall a story in the Old Testament, and I'll give you a big hint, dealing with a prophet and a plow? Oh, boy. Boy, we need some game show music here. We do. Do you want to... You wanna? You know, I never watched that show. What was that game show where they... Jeopardy? They, uh, no, it wasn't Jeopardy. It was uh, You Want to Be a Millionaire. Oh, yeah. I never watched it, but I guess, you know, it was so popular for so long, you heard all these catchphrases. So what was it? Do you want to reach out to a friend or, you know, what were yeah, the different phone things? phone a friend. You want to phone a friend? You want to phone I, a friend? I should, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there's a story, and I'm going to jog your memory here, and it's going to come back to you, and you're going to go like, oh, yeah, I should have known this. It's the story of Elisha's calling. You see, Elijah comes up to Elisha. And, and I'm going to just paraphrase it here, mm. you know, but he, it's basically a come follow me kind of thing. And, uh, but when he, when Elijah comes to him, Elisha is out plowing with a team of oxen and in their, the, the result, let's just, you know, cut to the chase here because there's more to the story. But, but the end of it is Elisha takes the, takes the plow, breaks it into pieces and takes the oxen and and sacrifices them and, and offers them up to God on the, the wood of the plow and goes and follows Elijah. And, and whether or not Jesus is making reference to that instance, I'm not sure. It, he may be. But that idea of not looking back to say when God calls you to do something, you, you put the plow. In this case, it says putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. In that case, it was actually, you know, in that sense of coming and following. So, but anyway, we, you know, that's the call that I've had, you know, is to come and follow Christ and to, to set your hand to the plow and, and not to look back, not look back to the world, not to say, and as I think about that today, it, it's like, as we talk about Christian filmmakers or Christian musicians or really anything, you know, but the the reason why we focus on filmmakers and musicians and some of these other things is because they're they're more outward. You know, they're there's something that has caught a lot of attention in the church today, and something that people are really enthusiastic about. And so you have these different philosophies, and some of these philosophies that are coming out of the out of Christians who want to make films that uh, really want to do dead you know go bury the dead uh it's the way i look at it it's like they're religious engineers who look at the narrow gate which jesus described you know there's this narrow gate 
and this narrow path. And as they look at this in their engineering mind, uh, they're trying to convince people for the need and and the ability, you know, for a road expansion project. Mm. <laughs> you know, that you know you could. Like you see across the country when they expand a highway, it's like, hey, we need to, um, this road is just too narrow. We need to broaden it out. This is happening all the time in cities where there's just a lot of growth, you know. And, and as I hear some of the rhetoric, as I hear some of the arguments, it's, it's as if Christians are saying, you know what, we're looking at this narrow gate and we're looking at this narrow path. And you know what? I think that with a little work, a little tweaking, a little engineering, you know, a little sweat, we can we can actually broaden this out a little bit. We can we can widen this road and make it a little just a little bit better, because uh, in our opinion it's just too narrow. We need some more lanes, room for more traffic. Uh, but I'm I'm saying it it can't be done. This that's not what Jesus was when Jesus described the narrow path versus the broad path. He wasn't saying that, you know what, my path is narrow because I just don't have good enough engineers, <laughs> you know, to make it really broad. He's saying this is the reality. It's a narrow path. You know, the disciples of Jesus, they're a minority group. It's a narrow path. And, you know, certainly there are many people who don't want to be in the minority group. They want to be in the majority group. And when they realize it's not happening, you know, in Christianity. They'll either try to redefine it to be more inclusive of a larger group, or they they just want to abandon the minority altogether. I mean, this this is what you see, and so we're not we're not here to to make an expansion project on the narrow path which Jesus described. It is what it is, and and he did not mince words about that. So I, I scratch my head a lot of times when I hear the different rhetoric coming out of different circles, and it's not just filmmaking. I mean, this stuff is going on in the church. You know, even like our original question that came up about this Christian veneer in Christian filmmaking, I, you know, my initial response, my gut response to that was like, well, that's not a Christian filmmaking problem. That's just a general problem in the church today. There's, there's a Christian veneer in Christianity. And so when you... When you see this getting fleshed out in filmmaking or in in music or other areas of, of life, you're just seeing a symptom of a deeper problem, in my opinion. You know, so and that's the beauty of a podcast. I get to sit in front of a mic and share my opinion. Now there's another there's another thing we talked about last week was the creative type people, you know. I'm one, actually. In fact, would you describe yourself as a creative person? Uh, yeah, at times. I think you're pretty creative. You're pretty good in the office, doing graphic arts, and you're a good photographer, and other craftsman. I would say you're creative. Yeah, I, I enjoy I mean, it. And even, uh, I mean, even on a skateboard. Maybe our podcast listeners didn't know that. Rhett, skateboards. Yeah. In fact... Bring your skateboard when you come to Texas. Oh, that's because, a good idea. Because I'm five minutes from a skate park. All here right. In town. So you and I can go hit the skate park and maybe reach out to some skateboarders while you're down here. Yeah, so, sounds good. Okay, so 
let's let's talk about what I would call spirit-led creativity because this is important. You know, let's I want to we want to look at what the scriptures have to say about these things. This is not about opinions uh, merely. It's you know a lot of what gets bantered about is someone has this opinion about that and someone has this and I have my opinions, but. I do endeavor to try to allow my opinions to be shaped by the Word of God. That's where I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to the Word of God, and I'm going to glean from it. I'm going to say, God, how can I learn? Teach me from your Word. Uh, give me an understanding. And so as I look at creativity, first of all, we have to look to the one creator, mm-hmm. which is God. And so Genesis one one we we see the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, you know, the, and or one translation might say brooding over the face of the waters. But there we see God the Father and the Spirit and God speaking, you know, the Word of God, all part of of the cre the creative force behind everything that we see around us, you know, so of of the earth and the heavens and and those things which are on the earth and mankind. In Psalm 104, verse 30, the psalmist writes, You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. So we see that the spirit of God is a part of of the creativity of God. And when you look at, if you were to do a study on creativity, what you're going to find out that you're not going to find many verses that talk about creativity, but you are going to see some verses about craftsmanship. And, and you're going to see how God works through people by his spirit to help them to be craftsmen. So if I, to, to be honest, I mean, if I was a person aspiring, and I'm a Christian, I say I aspire to, be cre- uh, to use my creativity, to be a craftsman, whether it's a craftsman in film or a craftsman in music or a craftsman in pottery or any, any kind of... A craftsmanship where you're where you're constructing something or painting something, then you would say, well, let's. What does the Bible have to teach about that? Well, we have a, a story back in the Old Testament of Bezalel and Aholiab, and when God reveals to Moses that He wants Moses to to have a tabernacle created, and He gives all this instructions, well, that has to be done. All that work has to be accomplished, and this is what it says. And, and God is speaking, and Bezalel, and Aholiab, and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know to do all manner of work for service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. So this is powerful. I mean, here mm. we have it. We have God giving by his spirit wisdom. Now, I'm going to reread this, and I'm going to insert some things here. We're going to, because uh, I want to read it through once, but let me let me read it through again. And Bezalel and Aholiab, and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put, what? What does he put in them? Creative urges, you know? No, it says wisdom and understanding. So if, if I was an artisan or a a person who is, I'm a Christian, and I say, I want to be a good filmmaker. I want to honor God in my filmmaking. Then you want to be a person then whom the Lord puts in you wisdom and understanding 
you're not getting this from Hollywood. You're not getting this from your peers. You need to get it from God. You need to get wisdom and understanding from God. It doesn't say that they were creative in the sense that it's used in today's vernacular. Does the ooh, they had these creative juices flowing, hmm. you know, they just, it's oozing out of them everywhere. You It's like, no, they had wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work. For what? Well, in this case, it was for service of the sanctuary, which is important. We're, we're told many places in the New Testament, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not only as individuals, but as a church, we're being built together into a holy house. You know, we're, we're told, Peter writes about this in his epistle. We are, be, we are a holy, we're becoming the, God is building us as this holy sanctuary, knitting us together. And it's like we're all, if, if the structure was stones, we're all stones being built upon one another. If the structure was wood, we're all, we're all a peg and a beam and we're, we're being fitted together. These are different analogies that are used in the scripture about the building that God is creating, but it's a sanctuary. And what's a sanctuary for? A place where God's presence dwells, a place where he's glorified, a place where he is worshiped. And so if if you call yourself a Christian, that is your calling. That's your primary calling to be a sanctuary, to be a be this temple of the Holy Spirit, to be a people that are set apart. That is above and beyond everything else. And and if you are saying, I believe I'm called into the craft of filmmaking, and you are a Christian, then you need to ask the Lord for wisdom and understanding. And in this case, when God poured out his wisdom and understanding upon Bezalel and Aholiab, it was not for their according to their creative urges, but it was according to all that the Lord has commanded, meaning that God is directing, God is producing. He's saying, I have a say in this. I'm not asking you just to go willy-nilly and go um, do these different things. Now, in Exodus 35, verse 34, speaking of Bezalel, it says, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and Aholiab. So now we see it even broaden out not only did God put the spirit in them and give them wisdom to do this, to do all this kind of craftsmanship that was required to put this ornate tabernacle together, but they were also gifted to teach others how to do this. And so here's another principle. So if you are, if you don't sense that, wow, I don't sense that I have this unique gift by God's spirit to be a craftsman, well then... The next thing you need to do is make sure you put yourself around someone who is filled with God's spirit and who is gaining wisdom and understanding and who has the gift of being able to teach that. And so in verse 35, it says, he has filled them with skill. Those who do every work and those who design artistic works. And so here we see designing. This is about the closest we get to creativity. But if you look at the story and you look what God was doing, God macro managed the what we call the creativity, you know. So I'm gonna break that down. Creativity. They were creating something, but what they were creating was macro managed by God. He had he said, This is the this is the purpose and this is the overall design. And so for example, uh create this creativity is is not 
God said, craft a pomegranate. And, and if you know the story, you know why I'm saying craft a pomegranate. Because if you, when you read the Old Testament and you read the things that they were called to craft, that's just one of those unique things that sticks out in my mind, that that was part of the artistry that they were to do. There were other things, but one of them was pomegranates. They, they come into the story. And so when God says craft a pomegranate, creativity, if you're being spirit-led, is not uh, you know, I know God said a pomegranate, but I, I'm feeling mangoes and papayas, you know? <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm feeling like I'm seeing a, a monkey juggling bananas balanced on a watermelon, you know? I mean, that's, that's not creativity. You know what I call that, Rhett? Uh, disobedience? I'd call it fruity. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Yeah. So now... Another point I need to make is you can't assume that this automatically applies to you or to I. Um, you can certainly seek for it, but this is what we would call a descriptive passage, not a prescriptive. And this gets into biblical hermeneutics, the subject of hermeneutics and how you interpret the scriptures. And so when you, you know, if you were to read this and say, oh, look, God gave Bezalel and Aholiab the Spirit of God to be creative and to do all these works. And as I'm reading this, therefore, God has filled me with his Spirit to do all these creative works. Well, that's not what it says. It doesn't say God filled you with his Holy Spirit to do these creative works. It says he filled uh, Oholiab and Bezalel. Now, that doesn't mean he won't fill you with his Spirit and give you ability. But it doesn't. This, that's a descriptive passage. It's not prescriptive. It's not prescribing and saying, okay, all those who have a desire to do artistic things are therefore going to have this wisdom and understanding by God's spirit uh, put in them. You need to you need to be seeking God for it. You need to be asking God for wisdom and for help. And I, Rhett, once again, I'm just winding up here and I have so much to say on this topic and we've burned through our time of this podcast. So I don't know. What do you think? You think we should Take it, take it another week. Yeah, let's go into another one. Okay, well, we will do that. And so I want to encourage all those out there, you know, wh- whatever it is that you do. And maybe you're a podcast listener who's thinking, you know what? I'm not one of these creative type people. I appreciate them. It's just not me. I like math, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, praise the Lord, you know, and we could have a lot to say about some of the great mathematicians of history that uh, were were God-fearing, uh, Christ-honoring people. Not all of them, but there were many. And so if you're the, regardless of whether you're the left brain person or the right brain person, whether you're the analytical type, whether you're the creative type, there's something that we can take away from this is that God has God has a has his his place in all of this as the supreme creator. And if there is any ability for us to do math or to to create artistic works, it's only because he has given us that capability. But even beyond the capability, we want to have wisdom and understanding in all of these things. And there have been many inventors, scientists, mathematicians, Engineers, people who love God and who, who, who came up against a brick wall where they lacked understanding and wisdom and they go to God 
and they ask him for wisdom and they say, God, would you help me to understand this? And God, we're told in uh, the book of James as well as other places that if you lack wisdom and you ask, God will give it to you if you ask in faith without doubting. And when we, uh, when we acknowledge God in all of our ways, when we do not lean on our own understanding, then he will make our path straight. And so we need to be going to God regardless of what it is we're doing in life. There have been times in my life where I've been, I've been working on cars before, you know, I've been working on mechanical things and get stuck on something and have been reminded to, to stop and ask the Lord for wisdom. I've been stuck in, in office things or in website design or, or other areas and I, and I need to make it a practice and I, and I endeavor to make it a practice to stop and say, God, I need some wisdom here. I need some help. And all of us can be doing that. But especially those who want to go into the very, um, the, a, a very, what I would call dangerous uh, career or endeavor into filmmaking. Dangerous because of the power and the impact that it can have for good or for bad depending on whether you're walking in wisdom or not you know the the verse we used in our our film submission guidelines was the proverb about the words of a fool are like the thrusts of a sword but the tongue of the wise will bring healing if you are handling something like filmmaking carelessly like a sharp sword and swinging it around because you think it's fun or you think it's, it, it's something that will be impressive to other people, but it's a sharp sword. And if you're carelessly swinging around, someone's gonna get hurt. And, and the proverb says, the words of the fool are like this. And so we don't wanna be foolish in what we're communicating through filmmaking. We wanna be very, very careful. But it says the tongue of the wise brings healing. And if we have wisdom, then the things that we do, the things that we bring to the table, the gifts and callings that God has given to each one of us, that we are to be faithful, to be faithful stewards of, then we can use these things uh, to, to bring healing where there's a need of healing, to bring reconciliation, to, to bring a hope, and to bring the message of Jesus Christ to a lost world. You've been listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources. Click on the audio tab to get a free download of Philip's audiobook, What Wouldn't Jesus Do? Media Choices in the Light of Following Christ. And if you haven't seen our award-winning documentary, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture, be sure to order your copy today. Parents Television Council calls it deft and powerful, and numerous moms, dads, and pastors say it's a must-watch for every Christian family and church. If you have a question or a topic you would like to have discussed on this program, please send an email to podcast at mediatalk101.org.